podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Three wins in the space of a week at our temporary home see Spurs finally put to bed the supposed Wembley hoodoo. As we have the last word on Spurs in our stoppage time special. Hello guys and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. You can follow the show across a variety of different platforms. We're on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram. On this Last Word on Spurs stoppage time special, we'll be looking back at the win against Brighton. We'll be taking a host of questions for tonight's panel and looking ahead to Saturday evening's game against Manchester City. What a game that is going to be in store. So, let's introduce the guest for tonight. I am pleased to say back on the show, we've got John Mannins. John, how are you? Yeah, all good, mate. Thanks for having us back. I'm looking forward to it. Pleasure. Pleasure having you, John. And joining John tonight, we've got Ian Gunn with us. Ian, how are you? Very well, chaps. Very well, Rick. Thanks for, for having us back on. Pleasure, as always, Ian. And finally, last but not least, we've got Jason McGovern back on the show. Jace, how are you? Oh, good, mate. Let's start with you, Jace. Before we touch upon Brighton, let's discuss where you was on Monday night. If you can give an insight to some of the listeners that we also mentioned to on Twitter. Care to share with us, Jace? Yeah, it was a, a very enjoyable evening. I was lucky enough to win a place at the, the Fans Forum over at, uh, at Lily White House. And there was probably, I don't know, probably about 100 fans over there in general. And um, with Hugo Pochettino and Daniel Levy and... Um, there was no censorship of questions. You were allowed to, to ask anything you want, which which surprised me. Uh, nobody came up with a Danny Rose question, which surprised me even more. Um, but, uh, you know, Daniel Levy, very much a man of few words. He answered everything he was asked, usually with two or three word answers. But uh, Maurizio was obviously probably the star of the show. And um, the highlight, without a doubt, was when Canada Spurs gave a question that he wanted a hug like the players get after a big win. And I think, you know, that was the, the highlight. And I think lots of people have seen that clip, I think, on uh, social media since. So, but a really interesting evening, talking about Toby's contract, questions about Gareth Bale, questions about whether the stadium would be ready. And uh, one killer question came from, from one person that, that asked Daniel Levy, at which stage does he reach before he th- thinks of sacking the manager? And the, <laughs> there was quite a, quite a bit of amusement to that one. And, and I think it, it went over Maurizio's head a little bit. He couldn't quite answer that. But um, but Daniel straight batted that and and said, you know, there's absolutely no intention and no will to sack Maurizio, that's for sure. So a, a thoroughly enjoyable evening, mate. Good, good. Well, there you go. Um, I think there is, I think, John, you mentioned there's extended highlights of the show on uh, the Spurs TV. Is that right? Is that right, John? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if you go on the... Uh, th- com and then Spurs TV. Use your um, membership details if you're a member to log in. Um, and yeah, and you can view them as about 15, 20 minutes worth. Is uh, It looked like a really good night. And uh, uh, obviously, you know, what we've heard from Jay was uh, one of them nights where I'm sure it will be, you know, be remembered for a long time by those that were there. And that, uh, the Canada Spurs guy was, was brilliant. And uh, Pochettino showed what a, what a class man he is, I thought. Yeah, well, there you go, guys. I say check that out if you wish. Let's go back and talk about Brighton then. 
just for us Wednesday night. Let's come first round to you, Ian. A game where really, I mean, it was a crucial win when you consider Arsenal and Liverpool drop points. What did you make of the performance, Ian? Um, right. <laughs> Let's be honest. What I felt from the game was that it was like one of those games where you go to just before a cup final. Right. And and, and there are those players there that, that know that they've got zero competition. And for me, they went. there was a lot of players that went through the motions, found it a very subdued performance, didn't find the tempo all that great. Yes, Brighton parked the bus. Yes, they defended resolutely and stoutly. But it all got a bit sort of pedestrian, and a bit turgid, I think, is 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 a word I'd use. Um, and I think that that you know the the thought of, of of coming out to to Wembley on a very chilly and and what turned out to be a very damp sort of um, Wednesday evening probably was indicative of the forty six thousand brave souls that that that, that turned up um, to watch it. So it was a strange game, very strange game. Um, very little quality from what I saw and um, yeah um, it, 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 it's not one of those games that is ever going to make a DVD I don't think No, I think it's fair to say it won't be fondly remembered but Jace coming over to you I mean a third Wembley win on the bounce comfortable in the end but it felt too much like hard work at times Jace didn't it overall? Yeah, it's uh, reminiscent of so many of those those games we've had there this season, the team that parks the bus and can we break them down? We got that little bit of fortune to, to get our noses in front. And I thought last 15 minutes of that first half, we actually played reasonably well. We did start to create chances, but, um, you know, whatever happened at half time, we certainly came out very sluggish at the start of the second half and it, we, it became really hard work. And let's be fair, Brighton had that one massive chance to, to equalise, which I'm not saying they would have deserved it, but uh, maybe that just woke us from our slumbers a little bit and just gave us that vital kick on for the last 10 minutes. But, you know, I, I do feel it was a below par performance like so many at Wembley, but we've scored twice. We've hit the post twice. We've had one effort kicked off the line. The keepers made a couple of saves. You know, we, we still thoroughly deserve to win the game, that's for sure. And um, whilst it wasn't at our best, I, I think there's still been... You know, the West Brom game there and the Swansea game and the Bournemouth games were probably even worse than last night. So it's, it is what it is at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. Coming over to you, John. I mean, the irony is that's probably one of our worst performances at Wembley domestically this season. And it sees a return back into the top four, John. I think that's sort of indicative of the way things have been going. You know, we've like this season has felt a little bit, I don't know how to put it, like it's a little bit of a... I'm struggling to get up for games and I think the, I'm not necessarily saying the players are, but I'm not like... You know, I don't look forward to going as much. I think it's just the Wembley factor for me. But maybe the players, uh, you know, it's rubbing off on them a bit. I don't know. But it was one of them where, again, I think it's just a, it just a, shows how far we've come, if, if you know what I mean. Look, we've had three games in a week at Wembley, scored 10 goals. We're moaning. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. You know what I mean? And what mm. I'm saying, what, what I'm thinking is, if that had been, I'm telling you now, if that had been 12 months ago, and we'd have been at the sacred temple that was White Hart Lane. We'd have been saying, that's a sign of a good team, getting a victory. 
be without necessarily playing well. And I think that, you know, what Ian said is, is absolutely spot on. And that cup final that he's talking about is at half past five on Saturday afternoon at, at Man City. And I think the players were going a bit half-paced because, you know, knowing that they can afford to do that and still beat Brighton, maybe keep a little bit in the tank um, for Saturday. You know, we was, we've all been worried about Jan Vertonghen, haven't we, for the last two games. And he ain't come anywhere near a booking. And he still played like a Rolls-Royce. I think there's just a little bit of... I don't know. I think maybe I think maybe you could you could say not necessarily game craft as Jay likes to say, maybe a bit of just matureness from the team. They're not knocking their pan out, they're getting the results without looking spectacular, and hopefully we're saving this spectacular performance for Saturday. Ian, I mean the funny thing is with the whole Wembley factor is that when you filter into it, and Jason made a very good point last night, is that despite Chelsea and Liverpool the way their form has been this season. Ironically, Spurs have got a better home record than both of those clubs. So it's just strange, isn't it, how this Wembley fact all of a sudden, if you add it up, it's not been as bad as what some fans think it may have been. No, true that, you know, the stats, you know, speak for themselves. And, you know, and I think that, you know, we we all have to sometimes refer back to that. It's very difficult, though, when... You know, you're in a half-empty stadium, and and as and as we've said on, on 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 I've listened to on some of the other pods that that you've recorded, when when you're in a half-empty White Hart Lane, it doesn't feel so bad. Whereas if you're in a half-empty Wembley, and you've almost got you know like fifteen seats around you, that's when it becomes very difficult for 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 the crowd to be infused and, and inspired to sing, you know, and I think that if if you get to the stage where the Park Lane boys to the right of me and the Shelfside boys over the other side aren't there or, 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 or they don't feel that it's making an atmosphere, and then I think that that, that doesn't help the overall sort of view of, of those people that took to social media after the game last night and, and, and Totally, sort of like slaughtered the the, the atmosphere, the, the the stadium, and 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 some of the the, the players, you know. And I think that uh, you, we're in a situation, we're in a strange situation, you know. And and I think that I, I you know I agree that we have to get behind the team, but sometimes the team has to get behind the supporters. Yeah, it's a a two-way street. Can I ask you, Ian, a question from Alex Reddick. He says, attendance was only 46,000 against Brighton. Surely the club should be offering people higher levels the chance to move down if seats are available or upgrade. What's your thoughts on that one? Um, I think it's a great question. I I, I think that if if, if everybody's down below the club Wembley seats and and you're a bit more packed together... Then you've got the opportunity to to to, to make a a bit more of a noise. I, I I just think that though that if if you are a season ticket holder and you've got a season ticket in in a part of the ground or 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 you've got packages where you're in those upper tiers, you know I'm wondering how it it can be, you know, facilitated to get you all down the bottom if some of the people down the bottom have bought tickets and 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 either don't turn up because. You know, I, I get I get um, notifications from the Spurs tickets um, Twitter feed, and it was going absolutely ballistic yesterday <laughs> and the day before 
you know, so to this game, obviously, people had predicted that it was going to be a bit of a, uh, you know, Brighton was going to come and park the bus. I think the weather in certain parts of the country hadn't helped people's desire to want to come out and brave the elements and brave the journey to, 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 to see what was going to be and what turned out to be quite a, um, quite, as I said earlier on, a turgid game. Yeah, well, tell you what, let's get into the actual team itself. Let's come over to you, Jay. So, the team lineup we had Eric Lamella starting his first game for Spurs in over 13 months. Rosanoria came in for Davis and Trippier. Delielli was dropped to the bench in place of Sissoko, and Winks came in for Dembele. What did you make of the lineup when you saw it, Jace? I thought it was um, pretty much the uh, pretty much the lineup I, I expected. Really, I think most of us thought from the from the pre-match press conference that Lamella would start, and it probably would be at Deli Ali's expense. And we know with the rotation, the two fullbacks were changed, and he'd already said, "Yeah, Vertonghen would definitely play." So, you know, the team was was what I expected it to be, and it was nice to see Lamella play. I thought he did okay, Eric Lamella, on the night. But for those who've who said, you know, Deli Ali's our problem this year, we found out Deli Ali isn't necessarily our only problem at Wembley this year, and he's not the reason for all the turgid displays at Wembley. So I suppose as a Deli Ali fan, I was quite pleased to see that he, he wasn't the centre of all the, the negativity last night. But no, the side was what it is. It will certainly be a different side, I think, on Saturday. Jase, you mentioned about Deli Ali there. Do you think the question is really, I mean, did it add the desired effect it should have done? Dropping Delhi, whatever you want to call it, benching him? Because, I mean, the argument is it was going to make us more creative and less ponderous, you'd think, bringing Lamella in. That was, I don't know, what fans were thinking before the game. Didn't necessarily transpire that way, did it? Like you said. No, it didn't. But, I mean, if, you know, as I said, I thought Lamella did okay, but it's going to take time for Eric Lamella to get up to, to full fitness. And he, he can only do that by getting starts in 90 minutes. So, you know, I think it was was the right time. I think we all we all agreed that perhaps Delhi needed just a, a little... I wouldn't say a full boot up the backside, but a, a little toe end, shall we say. And um, hopefully it's had the desired effects. We'll only know that over the course of the, the next few weeks. But uh, certainly when he missed the, the Madrid game for the, for the few games after that, when he was banned for that the, the Bernabeu game, it, it certainly seems to kick him on. So hopefully, as I say, the same effect will happen this time. Yeah. Coming over to you, John. 13 months it's been since Delhi Ali was last on the bench for a Premier League game when he's been fit. That was November 2016 versus West Ham. I think my argument is that maybe since that point he was on the bench, he has still been on decent form. Do you think maybe, John, we could uh, we could see a, a change in Delhi with this kind of reignite him as such, do you think? Giving him that little rest in midweek? Well, I think the problem is, up until the end of last season, you're talking about bringing in Sissoko or Nkudu to start in, in place of Delhi, And that was never going to happen, was it? I think he's he's one of them kids who's one you know he's so far he's been probably a little bit of like a, a victim of his own success because he has set the bar for himself so high you know he's gone from League One like young you know gem to you know he's going to be at the World Cup for England you know and he, he's gone he's it's been such a meteoric rise I think the problem is you know literally like I just said he's set the bar so high for himself but he's still got. Seven goals, six assists in all competitions this season. I think that's that's more than a lot of um, a lot of players who are deemed world class in the Premier League. So I think it's just it's again it just we just got to get off his back. I think that's it's beginning to piss me off a little bit because, like I said, when he ain't there, people will miss him when he when he does eventually leave. 
You mentioned John Lovett's Soko. David Bristol asks, how much longer before we knock this project on the head? Interesting, Soko being a project. <laughs> What's your thoughts on Musa Sissoko's future at Tottenham? I think he's played think better this season, John, personally, in my opinion. What do you think? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Of mm. course he has. I think the, the, the problem is, we've said this many times in the past, it seems that we always need a scapegoat. And at, and at the minute, you know, it's Wembley, which is a weird one, because normally <laughs> we've never had a stadium scapegoat in the past. Normally it's a player. <laughs> normally it's a player, yeah. And I think, you know, maybe the fact that um, Sissoko's played better this season than he did last season. Admittedly, it wasn't difficult, but maybe that's why we're seeing a little bit of, you know, lack of patience or whatever you want to call it towards Harry Winks. But I think Sissoko's done all right when he's come in. He's, what he does is he does a job. He's an athlete. He must be a pain in the ass to play against. I think that's the best thing you can say about him. He's not technically the best. He's not a, he's not a great goal scorer for midfield. He's not a particularly good tackler or anything like that. He doesn't have a great passing range, but for whatever, you know, whatever he, he can do, Poch obviously sees it in him, and he's he's played. I think he's still played a part in every game, hasn't he, so far this season? He has been. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So compare his, um, you know, what he was being able to get in the time to achieve last season on the pitch, which was next to nothing, apart from a chorus of boos and discontent every time he hit the pitch <laughs> or left the pitch, depending on if he started or not. You know, this season it's like. We still want to, we still want him to turn into a thirty million pound player, but it's not going to happen. You've got to remember that this, you know, it's not his fault that he costs that much money. I do think that it was a bit of a panic buy. We can all look back now and say it definitely was. You know, when you consider that that was around about the same money that Liverpool pl- paid for Sadio Mane, and you know, you can use examples like that. But he's he's a good squad player, I think. And if he didn't play in all them games, who, who in our current squad is, would would have taken up their minutes? Is it going to, you know, you're talking about chucking in a kid like Luke Amos, maybe. I think, you know, Jay said it before when we signed him. You don't get 50 caps for France for being a bad player. You know, just stick with him. All the time he's got a cockerel on his chest, I'll support him. Yeah, I think that's the right way we've got to be, haven't we, John? That's the way we should be with players. I mean, he's doing a job at the moment. Listen, we know January coming round, we may look to add to the squad, but I think you're bang on there, John. We have to support every player that is on the pitch. Can I ask you, Jace, we had a question in from Z Nagoff, who says, why are we so bad at home? Now, I know you went back to him personally last night, but before you answer him again now, can I just remind people out there that we've won five, drawn one out of our last six games at Wembley. There's been an upturn in form, whether people want to admit it or whether they don't. What do you want to say back to that question, Jace? Cool, I could go into a, a long rant here, couldn't I? Well, keep, I think, it, keep you know, it short I've and sweet been, I've been going to Tottenham for 40 years and in only nine seasons is our home record better at this stage than it has been in any of those other seasons. What a stat. So it's nine out of 40 years. Mm. I think in terms of the Premier League, in the 26 seasons in the Premier League, only six times have we had more points after nine games at home than we've got this year. So again, you know, why are we so bad at home? It's it, We're not that bad at home. Our performances have been turgid there for the most part. But as we said before the programme, I think if you look at it, we've had nine games, six poor ones and three decent home games. Last year, the first nine at White Hart Lane, we had Leicester, a 1-1 draw. We had a 1-0 win against Sunderland. We had a 1-0 turgid game against Palace. We were outplayed by Liverpool. We were outplayed and beat West Ham in the dying seconds. And we beat Burnley 2-1, where again we had to come from behind. So there were six turgid performances there in the first nine last year. And I think, you know, we just have to 
just have to get a, away from the complete negativity that, that people are going on about Wembley this year. Last year at White Hart Lane was a one-off. People are comparing last year at White Hart Lane as if that was a normal season. It wasn't. It was completely different to every other season at White Hart Lane. And until we accept that and understand that, it, it just, you know, it, it, I, I can't understand. And, you know, last night we, we've had some turgid games against teams that park the bus. We need this in the team. We need that in the team. Liverpool are playing all this wonderful football. They've just played two part the bus teams. Haven't won either game. They hardly had a shot at goal against West Brom the other night or last night. And, you know, we got ripped for our performance against West Brom. Liverpool's was no better. You know, look at them Sunday against Everton. Awful. Man United played Brighton at Old Trafford this season. Beat Brighton 1-0 courtesy of an own goal. Last night, Man United played Bournemouth. They had two shots on goal all night on target. You know, it's not just us that struggles to break teams down. And it's not just us that has turgid performance. West Ham parked the bus at Man City, survived until, what, the 82nd minute. Parked the bus against Chelsea. Chelsea don't score. Parked the bus last night against Arsenal. Arsenal don't score. But it's only us that seems to be getting all the all the criticism for these turgid displays and how difficult it is to to break these teams down and have the pace of Salah, have the pace of Mane. That'll work. Doesn't work, does it? West Brom <laughs> last night shows it. You know, it's 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 just patience and and it's it's not nice to watch. But we're not the only ones that are having to suffer it, unfortunately. Mm, it's true. Come around to you, Ian. Got a question in from Mark Ellison. Follow on from what Jay says there about breaking teams down. Is this tactically, is there anything we can do to, to make it easier to break the opposition down? Have you got any thoughts on that, Ian? Um, I'm going to be in danger of, of sounding like a, a fan that perhaps hasn't been watching the game for a while. <laughs> okay. What, what, what I think frustrated people yesterday, and I distinctly got the vibe in the, in the stadium was sometimes when we when we are coming up against a team that's part of the bus we we can be very predictable it's almost like well this isn't working this side so let's let's try it on the other side and there's a lot of sideways passes where perhaps we need the, the Christian Eriksen and the Deli Alley's when he plays, and and even 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 you know Sonny sometimes, just to be a little bit more quicker with the passes, and what we saw last night or what I saw last night was was the movement up front was very very minimal, you know there there was and I, and I don't know what the tactics are. If the tactics are to keep the football, then we did that well, because I think we had, was it 71% of the possession last night? And I, and I suspect why whilst you've got the, 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 the ball, the other team can't score. I just sometimes think that a little bit more, moving the ball a little bit quicker is is something that perhaps the crowd would like to see so that they can get this this sort of negativity off because sometimes it is you can almost predict it you know you're sitting in the stadium and you think right Hugo's going to roll it out to Eric Dyer Eric Dyer's going to play it to you're saying fairly, fairly predictable Ian do you know see we, we, mm. we have against teams that park the bus 
we are incredibly predictable. And I just think sometimes, you know, what what has happened? I, I know he's not there, you know, poor old Toby, but, you know, a number of goals I've seen us score, maybe three or four, where he, where he picked that long pass and, 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 and Delhi or, or, or somebody has, has, has run onto it. I can't see anybody running on or, or making themselves available for something different. And when they do, it's almost like we're programmed not to try something different. And that, that, that's my concern with how we're playing. Yes, I accept we got, we, we won 2 0 and, 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 you know, and it was a clean sheet and we got three points, you know, and, and I feel very bad coming up with this, but I was asked the question and I'm trying to, to, to answer it as I think it needs to be answered. The, the, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, am no, I, I get what you're saying. No, what throw it over to the others? I'm, I'm in danger of of, of 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 sort of like not even believing what I've just said myself. No, it's fine. I mean, the most important thing I think as well is with the win, Arsenal Liverpool dropping points. I mean, it's a big night in terms of that race for automatic Champions League football. I mean, John, bring it around to you. First, I say I say quality of the first half, but we got the goal. That was the most important thing. A, a bit of luck. You need that in football. Orioles overhit cross sound into the top corner, um, and it, it was similar, John, a little bit to his, you know, Harry Kane's goal against Everton at Goodison Park. <laughs> I think uh, I think Harry's was meant. I still Do you say right? that. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> with with Aurier, you know, you could see like the the Lino was smiling there because yeah, I think even Aurier was surprised. For a foul. <laughs> I think you know it's a good advantage to play. I think. Do you know what it is, Rick? I think mm. this is, you know, like. I, I can't disagree with what Ian was saying. And the thing is, we've had a few games, I'll use his word again, turgid games so far this season at home. And the difference is, we haven't had that slice of luck that to get us over the line. And sometimes even the best teams need a bit of luck. Now, for all the, you know, for all the, the magical run that Man City have been on, like how many late winners have they had to rely on? That's true. And dodgy yeah. decisions. You know, mm. they're not, you can't always smash teams. You'd love, you'd love it to happen. Listen, we look, we, we look, you know, when we remember last season at White Hart Lane, JC spot on. We don't remember the 1-0 against Sunderland. We don't remember the 1-0 uh, against Crystal Palace. We remember beating Arsenal, beating Chelsea, beating Man United, because that's what our brain wants us to remember, because it makes us happier to remember that. It's true. Mm. So what happens is, you know, at the moment, you end up saying, all right, you know, it's, it's a little different for me. I'll be honest with, with, all, you, with all you listeners out there. I get up at the crack of dawn for work. I was asleep before kickoff last night. I woke up during the night for a wee, as you do. I'm, I'm of that age. I can't go a full night to kick without needing a wee. And uh, I woke up to see with one two nil. I went back to sleep more than happy, you know. And at the end of the day, that is the most important part of what happened last night. It don't matter about yeah. All right, we had eight shots on target to their four. We had this many corners, that much possession. The difference last night, I think, after seeing the the highlights on Match of the Day and on Spurs TV, and uh, I've, I've seen a few different highlights packages now, is what we did have was the luck that has been missing in games that have been similar to this recently. You know, if that was against West Brom, Aurier's cross goes out for a goal kick. When Eriksen's free kick comes in, it's on, it flicks off a defender and goes wide, it doesn't go in. It's just you just got to say sometimes, you can't always be at your best, and I still say it's a sign of a good team that we're not 
we're not playing as well as we know we can, but we got three points, and we and you know <clears throat> it was nice to see that Arsenal would drop points and Liverpool would drop points. Indeed. And we're not like we're not the only like Jay said. Jay's impassioned rant just a minute ago was, was absolutely spot on. It was indeed. We'll we're, 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 we're be all right. We will be all right. I'm telling you. I thought we've lost one league game at Wembley. Don't people keep like trying to tell me we've been shite? We haven't. We're fourth in the league. We're doing all right. We are. Keep smart. <laughs> Jace, let's come round to you. Aurea's first goal for the club. Is he arguing his case here, Jace, to be a, a regular Premier League starter? Or is it just a case of rotation, rotation with these games coming thick and fast? It seems. It still seems to be rotation, rotation at the moment. Um... I still expect Trippier will probably start at, at uh, Manchester City. I think we all know with Aurier, he's, he's certainly now starting to get into better positions. And and I'm not going to say the, the the goal was a great ball in, but there were certainly a couple of decent balls that he got into the box last night. So his his quality when he gets forward, he's certainly improving, uh, which it needed to do. But it's it's still that case of <laughs> in big games, do you trust him not to do not to to dive in and, and, and get himself not necessarily sent off, but to give away a really stupid free kick or to, to dive in, which allows Sane to run behind him and suddenly they're, they're in and behind us. So I think that's that's the problem with Aurier. I think we all know that in time, he'll be a, an absolutely top quality right back, but it's just getting him to adapt to that, that Premier League standard week in, week out. Yeah, he most certainly seems like a character. Ian, coming round to you, what that first goal did give us, I mean, we said a bit of luck, but also it did mean that Brighton couldn't sit back. They had to have a bit of element of risk to their game to get back into it. Did that bring the game to life slightly for you? The fact that we got that opening goal and then Brighton had to, like we say, come out a little bit and give us a bit more into the game? Well, everybody is going to think that I, was, that I am incredibly sad. And I probably am incredibly sad, but... I found myself timing the the the, the keeper's um, goal kicks, <laughs> and it was in, and it and it was because it it was such a riveting game that that it, you know it, it kept my it kept my brain active, and it, and it was taking twenty seconds per goal kick for him to launch the ball from from getting it to launching it. So I'm thinking, so every third every third sort of goal kick. You know, we're losing a minute of this game, and that, and that's that's what was going through my mind in the in in the in the first half up to the fortieth odd minute. In the second half, he's only taking ten. It's strange, that isn't it? Yeah, it's a funny but, one. You, you know, but in, in in all seriousness, you know, I think that in that what has to happen in football, and it really annoys me, is, is and I don't know if we've, we've talked about it before, is, is how these teams that park the bus like the Ben Fosters and, you know, the Casper Michaels, how do they get away? Or how does the, the football allow them to get away with so much time wasting? Mm. Because you look at it and whether you time waste in the 10th minute or the or the, the 80th minute, it's still time wasting. You know, and, and unless, unless you, you get that out of football, then you're going to get the games that we saw at Wembley yesterday, and and yes, whilst Brighton did come out and and they looked, you know, quite effective on the on some of the counters, you know, it, it, it's still one of those things where, you know, sometimes we need teams to come at us so that we can come back at them. You look at the, look at the goal, Sonny's goal against Stoke 
you know, that, that was a classic counter-attack, you know, because, you know, Stoke were, Stoke were trying to, to, to go forward and, and we hit them on the break. And sometimes maybe you need that bit of luck, like we said, with, with, with Oya's goal, um, you know, to, to sort of like spark somebody to change their game plan. And Brighton did do that slightly. Did. Let's come back around to you, John. Huminson, he's been the star of the show recently for Tottenham. Another goal. I mean, got to say, John, at the moment, this guy, as we've been saying for the last couple of shows, undroppable. And again, it just shows what a run of games does to a player, doesn't it, John? Well, I think, you know, like I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, if uh, it seemed to me at that point that if Kane didn't score, no one scored. Mm. And then Son's scored four games on the trot, and it, it's, it's been him doing it. You know what I mean? I think he's one, he's definitely one of them players that would. I know it sounds obvious, but benefits from starting week in week out because it, it allows him to get in some kind of rhythm. You know, he's and he's he's been superb. I think he's been you know a live wire pretty much every game. He's he's been the difference at key points. He's not just scoring goals. You know, it's all well and good scoring um, the fifth goal. If, when you're four nil up, or for for example, but like let's go back to Stoke. So he, he creates the first goal, then he then he kills the game off with his goal in the second half. And I think it's not just goals; it's important goals, important moments. You know, obviously we'd like his um his goal against Brighton to come half an hour earlier. Oh yeah, he would. <laughs> but it is what it is, and and you go, <clears throat> well, is that he has become undroppable, and what he has done as well, I think he's pushed the. Laurent even further down the pecking order because if anything does happen to Kane, you can't see anything other than Son being put up front at the minute. What does that do for Laurent's confidence, John? Gets a massive goal for himself in Europe, doesn't get a look in the next couple of games. Is that just the is that just the fact that the depth we've got in the squad that he has to wait his turn, or should we be looking to get him into the team? I think he I think he's experienced enough to be able to cope with it, and you wouldn't have thought that he'd have been promised anything when he signed for Tottenham he, he would have known already what the situation was in terms of you know we got the number 10 there who's absolutely untouchable Harry Kane plays if he's fit and he knows he, he would have known that he'd have to wait for his chance and grab it when he got it and that he'd be a bit part player I think it, it, you know what I mean it, it, I, you don't want players to turn up and be happy to pick up their wages but maybe that's what that's how he is at the minute he's got a couple of years at Tottenham probably on decent money and he, he's happy He's happy to do that. But I do think that, don't get me wrong, I think, and Potter said it himself as well, that, you know, you have, we have a World Cup winner in our squad now. From, for what he can do to, for the players off the pitch, he's probably just as as valuable as what he could, you know, uh, give on the pitch, if you know what I mean. You know, yeah. that, you know, the, the temperament, the experience, just to, just to pass them kind of nuggets on because, you know, we've said many times over the last three years, especially, we've had, you know, the youngest team, you know, the youngest squad. And I think the time has come, maybe, to not to up the age of the squad, but to have a couple more players who are, who are a little bit like that, who know what they're doing. You know, you've got Dembele, Lloris, Lorente, I think, overfield um, players that are on the field who are 30 years and plus. And maybe, you know, maybe that having such a young team has held us back, I don't know. But his experience, I think, has been vital. He'll get his chance again and he's still got a part to play. But going back to what you say, Son, he's, he's magic at the minute. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely untouchable, undroppable. And I think um, the club shop will soon be running out of number sevens if he, <laughs> if he carries on how he's playing at the minute. It's true. Coming over to you, Jason. I know you're a massive fan of him. Six goals in his last seven games now for Sonny. As John said, fourth goal in a row. I mean, 
You can't really put a price on him at the moment, can you? What he's worth to this team? He's, he's having a huge influence on on every single game at the moment, and that, that's all you you can ask of him. And you know, as you said, Rick, you know, Lorente scores, and is he unlucky to be missing out? But if Lorente comes in, who's he coming in for? You can't drop Son. You're certainly not going to drop Kane. So I, I just can't see where Lorente gets a, a a chance to get on the pitch. And um, it was a re- another really good goal from Sonny. Just attacks attacks the ball. That's that's the big difference to him. And being being two footed, he can go past defenders either side. He can score great goals from either side, and he he, he brings a totally different skill set to anyone else in the team at the moment. Good delivery from Eriksson, Jace as well. Yeah, it was uh, about time we scored something off a set piece. Well, it's, there's it's a, funny. We had a there's question. another strange stat yeah. actually about our set pieces that um, that I spotted today when I was researching the questions, and um, there's only Manchester United and Manchester City have actually scored more goals from set-piece scenarios than we have this season. Well, it's funny you so, say that, because um, um, Keith Gearing says, when was the last time we scored from a set-piece? We get yeah. loads of corners, and they amount to nothing. But um, there you go, we got one last night. Well, <laughs> it was strange we got asked the question on the very night we actually scored for one. So I don't know how good old Keith's memory was, but <laughs> I know what he meant. Mm. I think, you know, from memory, there was what? There was the own goal against Chelsea, and I think Deli Ali scored from a corner against Burnley. And so when I researched the questions, I looked it up and apparently only Manchester United and Manchester City have scored more goals from set-piece scenarios than we have this season. And all I can assume from the, the stats that get gathered is that they they take the, the entire phase of play. So, for instance, when we scored at West Ham, when Harry Kane's free kick hit the post and, and West Ham never cleared the ball and Eriksen ended up scoring from that same move. So I presume they include things like that in amongst their goals from set pieces. In which case, as I say, we're the we're the third highest scorers from set pieces in the country. Mm. I've got to come over to Ian next. Ian, Harry Winks. Now, anyone that was at the game may have picked up on this morning. I, I wasn't present at the game, so there's been a reaction to a few of Harry Winks's chosen passes on the night. Um, and the reaction, there was a bit of a moan around. Now, do we have to be very careful, Ian? Because this guy is so young. He's made such a great impact onto the scene so early. I mean, it doesn't really warrant frustration, does it? Harry Winks at the moment, because the guy is still, you'd say, learning his trade. He's made a great break- breakthrough this season. I mean, he did play at the back in the last, but this has been really his coming of age this season, hasn't it? Yeah, and I, I don't get that. I think that, you know, sometimes, you know... <laughs> It's all part of, 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 of the wider frustration, and as we've said, we we all you know the, the, the majority of the Spurs fan base always get behind the team, but there are there is there are these factions that that that, that look for a scapegoat, and I just think that you know that it, it's a terrible terrible trait in in our. In our fan base, you know, it must be. It must be everywhere, and it? it can't just be Spurs. It must Every, be. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, I, it, it, it may well be. You know, I don't, I don't know. You know, I can only, mm. I can only take that. You know, from what I, you know, feel and and, and hear and see. You know, at, at Tottenham, and you know, and I, and I think that, you know, like like we've said before, while while Harry Winks has got the ball, and he's passing it to another Spurs player. The opposition aren't hurting us, and, and and I think that sometimes if you have come up against a team that is that is sort of part of the bus, as we've said, you know sometimes you have to start moving the ball around 
to look for openings. And, you know, you, you do have to play with a bit of patience because if, if, if we go out yesterday and we're playing against Brighton and, you know, we, we don't have that patience, you know, they perhaps break on us and they score. So whilst you're, whilst you're you know, trying to unlock a stubborn defence, you've still got to keep it tight at the back yourself. Because, you know, these Premier League teams will pick you off if you're not totally switched on. And, you know, Harry Rinks, I think, it'd be interesting to see how many, you know, what his pass completion rate was yesterday. But, you know, in general, he, he, was, he was neat, he was tidy. You know, there, 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 were, there were still, you know, he was still trying to, to, to pick a pass. And I agree with you, Rick. I think sometimes, you know, we, we, we just have to, learn a bit of patience because we we are a different Tottenham Oxford than perhaps we were five or six years ago. Mm. It's very true. John, coming over to you, a couple of questions for you. One is from Martin Dolan who says, when Alderweireld, Sanchez and Wanyama are back fit, do we revert to a three at the back or stay with a four? What do you think, John? I think you can see that Pochettino wants to play a three. And at the moment, you know, we've not really had, we haven't got the players in there available and fit at the minute to play Anything other than a four-two-three-one. So yeah, I think we'll go. We'll go back to a, a back three. I think you know we, especially in Europe, those that that um, and at home that that formation is what has ended up getting us our best results. I think you know you look at, at Dortmund and Real Madrid, and you know we've had three centre halves in those games. So I definitely think we'll go back to a, a three at the back. I think I, I'm looking forward to seeing the three in the back with one Yama in front of them because we've not really seen that yet this season. Uh, when Yama's been out for so long, he's not. We've not seen what he can bring to the table in that kind of formation. I just think would be, you know, much more solid with three centre halves. You know, they're all class centre halves, and when Yama's been, you know, a big miss. I'm looking forward to to seeing that. To be honest with you, I think yeah, back three for me anyway. I think Poch will will, will do that, and hopefully, you know, get through this tough run of Christmas fixtures. You know, Vertonghen's still on that fourth yellow card. There's going to be a, a um, well, we're going to have to see. We'll see Dyer and Sanchez play in a in a four eventually, so we'll see what they can do. But yeah, back three for me as soon as we can, as soon as the squad's fit. Yeah, well, that's a perfect nice segue into City actually, because I think it went hugely unnoticed on Wednesday night. Not just how big that win is, but also Vertonghen escaping that booking. Jason, I'm going to come round to you because your argument to me is saying, well, Burnley's the more important game than the Man City game. But I tell you what, Jason, it's bloody nice to, to have him available for Man City because we're already without Sanchez. We're without Alderweireld. Being without Vertonghen as well, you've got to say that would look a tall order at the moment, the way they're playing. Oh, it would, would look a tall order for sure, but it looks a tall order even with Jan. And my... my, my... My kind of focus is Burnley are level on points with us. And Manchester City are, what, 18 points in front of us. So if you see which one of those two games is more important to pick up the points in, for me, it's more important we go to Burnley a win than it is that we go to Manchester City a win. But Manchester City will obviously always be the, the glamour fixture. But, you know, if, if we beat Manchester City on Friday night, we're on, on uh, Saturday night, we're still 15 points behind them beat Burnley, we go back in front of them properly rather than, than just on goal difference. And that, that's why I say for me, Burnley's the bigger game. Um, but no, we want Yan we want every single game. But imagine if, if Yan picks up a book in a, a City and we still go up and we could still lose the game, let's be fair about it. We then go to Burnley and he, 
we, we got a completely makeshift defence at Burley and we end up getting beat there because of that. So, you know, for me, Burley is a bigger game. Right. Jay, Sa- Sanchez is back for Burnley, though. Sanchez, but, but alongside who? Eric Dyer. Yeah, true. Yeah, OK. All right. Yeah, Eric Dyer can go in there. That's true. That's true. But, you know, Burnley, <laughs> I, I, I still maintain it. Burnley's the bigger game than Manchester City. You say, I mean, but obviously the next game, I think like uh, Kev Green said on, on Twitter, this is the most important one. I mean, Jace, sticking with you, another question about in had a host on Man City, guys. We'll try and cover them off as we can best. Poltak RMS asks, remembering our past few games against Man City, they'll be looking to play long balls over our defenders with Sane and Sterling ready to run on. So would it be a mistake to play Davis and Trippier instead of Rose and Aurea in this match? Now, going by a recent rotation, you'd have to... Expect it is going to be Trippier and Davis on Saturday evening. What's your thoughts on that fullback pairing going up against Man City? Well, I think you know, number one, Manchester City don't play long balls, so it certainly won't be a long ball over the top. They'll try and thread passes through. And I think you know, a year ago we got ripped to pieces in that first half, didn't we, at Manchester City? But I think, I, I think Pochettino will kind of set up as he did for Dortmund home and the, the two Madrid games. He'll he'll get us sitting deep and trying to play on the break. So he won't he won't kind of leave too much space in and behind the, the two fullback areas. I think that the problem is you want the pace of, of Aurier and Rose, but number one, when have we seen that pace from Rose this year? For, forget everything that went on in the summer. We haven't yet. No. Danny Rose hasn't shown anywhere near that pace yet. Danny Rose at the moment doesn't look any quicker than Ben Davis, does he? Let's be fair about it. We know he could be in potential, but he, he certainly isn't at the moment. And Aurier, the one worry with Manchester City, is going down to 10 men. If he dives in on Sane, and Sane, we saw him do that, didn't we, with Zaha a couple of times at Wembley when he, he literally went to ground and dived in. We saw him do it at West Ham. We saw him do it with the Madrid penalty. And that's your worry with, with Aurier. And so I think, for me, I think I just know what I'm going to get from Trippier and I know what I'm going to get from Davis. And in a game like this, I want to, I want a little bit of reliability. I want to know what I'm getting rather than the unpredictability. But you know, I, I understand some people will say you should, you should go with the pace option. Yeah, I think it's also worth pointing out. You know, our biggest result of the season, Real Madrid, at Wembley, we had Davis and Trippier starting. Now, I'm not advocating that means they should play on Saturday evening. I mean, for me personally, if you asked me, I would maybe favour. Rose and Aurea just, and that's even with Danny Rose, the fitness is out. I just think they offer us a bit more going forward. But I mean, certainly we've got to be on our game defensively as well. So it's a really tough call, that one. John, bringing it over to you. You listen, you're the most optimistic Spurs fan I know. You're always Mr. Positive. So I've got to ask you this question. Keith's back with another one, Keith Gearing. He says, how big is the gap between us and Man City? And I think he's not referring to the gap in terms of points, which we all know things about 17, 18. But in terms of the clubs as they stand, John, is it... Huge because you know we have been in a title race previously the last couple of years. You could probably argue City have probably got it won already, John. So how big is the gap at the moment? Would you say between the two clubs? Probably about one point five billion pounds, I would say, mate. <laughs> I think the, the thing the thing is right. <clears throat> this is you know let's not let's not kid ourselves. And I'm not. And this ain't sour because I can appreciate the fact that the Manchester City supporters, the real supporters that used to go to Main Road and cheer on. Sean Goater and the like, I can be happy for them because they have they've suffered in their lifetimes, right? But this Manchester City incarnation, if you like, is not you know, this is it's a it's someone playing 
championship manager in real life. That's what it is. That's what we're competing against. And the fact is that the 49 points that Manchester City currently have, they have not amassed 49 points on five of the seasons that they've been in the Premier League in the past. So, in other words, five seasons out of the... I'm not sure how many it is that they've been in the Premier League. They've not achieved 49 points in a season. It's not been um, the kind of uh, upturn that we, that we have seen, for example, at Tottenham, whereby you know a bit of stability, a manager that, that knows what they're doing and don't like throwing his gilet all over the place, can eventually <laughs> make a difference, you know, in a more natural way, if you like. Now. I don't like saying words like process and project and stuff, but I'm fully behind what's going on at Tottenham. With Manchester City, it's a bit like instant success. You know, you've got to remember that where they were, what sort of club they were before this money come. And it is purely the money. You, no player signs for Manchester City because of the history, the tradition or anything like that. They sign, they sign because of money. I ain't got a problem with that. That's, that's, the, that's what football is at the minute. You know, it has been, it's been going that way. It's a business that is part of the reason why we have teams who turn up at top six teams to park the bus, as we say, because the rewards and, you know, there's a, there's a fine line between success and failure nowadays for clubs and for managers as, as men who have families to feed. You know, you, you can't, it's not, it's not as an even playing field like it used to be. And what's happened is the money, you know, unfortunately has made that gap even bigger for, and the, the opportunity to win the league even more difficult. And unfortunately, we're one of them ones. I don't feel like we're being left behind. And let's be honest, I, I, I mean, you wouldn't have said we were favourites to win the league this season anyway. But it's purely money. If if Pochettino had spent a billion pound or whatever it was, I'm sure we'd be winning the league. I, I'm, I'm convinced of that. So, you, you look, I, look, I see it from that point of view. Listen, what, what upsets me... <laughs> Is when my my eldest comes home from secondary school and tells me there's Manchester City fans in his class. Mm-hmm. That that you know, <laughs> it is. I know it is. When and it just is, to listen, confirm, I'm John, like, just put it out there, you don't live in Manchester. Let's just make that I clear. I don't live in Manchester. No, no I, I, as you can tell from the accent, <laughs> I'm not, not like I'm not a regular on the cobbles up at Corrie. I'm <laughs> I'm a, I, I'm from just outside London. So yeah, it's uh it's one of them. I think unfortunately, you know, that's football, isn't it? They're, they're, it they are where they are because of the pound. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I know I've divulged somewhat. No, I would go back and say, listen, the points are what you'd probably expect the points to be into, you know, when you're comparing a team who's spent what they have spent compared to what we've spent. Now you look at like the, the league table for wages and our annual bill is 120 million. And theirs is what, two or three times that. Yeah, you can't. From so it is what, it, it, yeah. unfortunately, mate, the league table nowadays, you can pretty much do it you know, you can pretty much predict that it will be as as the wage bill runs. Yep. We've just been one of them teams who've managed to buck the trend during the last two seasons. And um, you know, think... to, to sorry to, <coughs> you know, we keep getting this. Oh, you put the pressure on and all that nonsense. We're putting the pressure on. It's getting us into the Champions League. We're not West Ham. We're not putting the pressure on seventeenth. Yeah. We're doing all right, mate. We're doing all right. <laughs> Come on, Jay. You want to go in there? Go for it. Yeah, I think the thing with the the money scenario is and you know fair enough they're they're entitled to spend what they've got but they can spend what i call risk-free money you know they could come and spend 50 million on walker they could buy claudio bravo for what was it 35 million last year and then go and spend another 35 million on a goalkeeper this year they they don't have to worry and think well if this bloke flops fine we'll just dump him for 
20 million quid and just get what we want back and then we'll just go and spend another 50 million on the next player. And I think that's that's the difference with the money that, that Manchester City have their disposal. And that, I mean, in fairness, Chelsea had that, that you know, going back, what, 15 years ago when Abramovich first came into it, didn't he? Whereas, you know, we're still talking about £30 million we spent on Moussa Sissoko and, and the fact that we should have spent £30 million wiser. But, you know, Manchester City could have bought Moussa Sissoko for £60 million and they'd have just pulled the plug and said, OK, off you go, we'll, we'll just go and buy another bloke. And I think that's that's the difference with the spending power that they've got. They just don't have to worry about it being a flop. And, it, and if, as in Tottenham's case, let's be fair, £50 million for a right-back is ridiculous money. You know, Marcello at, at Real Madrid and Barcelona's that, they wouldn't go and spend that much on a Bayern Munich to go and spend that much on a, on a full-back. But Tottenham can say, oh, look, it's going to cost you fifty million, and and a week later the the shake turns up with his check. Okay, if that's what you want, there you go. And that, that's different to spending that we've ever seen before. I think. What have you made of Walker's progress, Chase? Because a lot of people at the time said, "Listen, Pochettino, he's improving so much as a coach." Have you seen an improvement in his game under no, Guardiola? I, I, I wouldn't say I've seen that much of an improvement in it. I think he still looks the, the same Walker that we've had at, at Tottenham the last couple of years—a really good attacking right back that. You know, his, his defensive frailties aren't really being shown up. And I think that's the big difference that City have made this year. They don't look anywhere near as weak defensively because it just seems to be that you can't get the, the ball off them. And they've got a decent goalkeeper this year. So, you know, he's, he still gets out of position time and time again. But his pace does it and, and nobody can really exploit it. So I, I wouldn't say he's progressed as a footballer. He looks a, a very good right back, which he did at Tottenham for the previous couple of years. Okay, fair enough. Ian, let's bring you in. Janad Ilyas asks us, what do we need to do to beat Man City? Um, I've got to say, from my perspective, watching them play, I'm a Tottenham fan first and foremost. Most importantly for me, I want to see Spurs do well. But the brand of football they are playing, you've got to say, it's a joy to watch at times because of the way they're moving the ball. Um, Which is hard to say because when you're a Spurs fan, you want to be able to say your club plays the best football in the country but is there a case Ian you have to admire it at times and you know we've got to find a way to beat it on Saturday how are we going to do it Ian? Right I'm going to be brutally honest with you Rick Mm. I've not seen them play okay I'm not not interested in them right I don't have Sky I don't have Sky (laughs) you know I, 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 I genuinely you know they are just the next team on our fixture list, and and I don't really care about them. You know, whether they whether they've got money, whether they don't have money. You know, all, all I want us to do, you know, is is to go there, and I hope that we're going to get a game like we had, you know, away at the Bernabeu, or even at home at Wembley, where we're going to play a, come up against a team who will want to play football against us, and I think if and we've said it tonight already, if we go there and we have the same sort of or a similar game plan to as we had against Real Madrid and Dortmund, who knows what might happen? Because ultimately, they they, 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 they won't want to leave. You know, they, they, they won't want to push up and leave Harry Kane up there, you know, on his own against, you know, two centre-backs who perhaps have not come up against somebody like Harry Kane before. But, you know, they won't want to have somebody like Unmin Son who, who will run at them and be direct. You know, Christian Eriksen has always done well up there. Um, his, his memory certainly right. So, you know, I'm, I'm more interested 
you know, on, on what what we'll go up there and do. Uh, and, and I hope, and I hope uh, you know, Carl Walker does what he's done done for us a few times and, and, and provides an assist for us. You know, whereas, you know, I've been up at Liverpool before and, he, and he's provided a couple of assists for them. So, you know, I don't care about Carl Walker. You know, he's, he, 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 he's made his bed, he's living in it. So, you know, I just want to go up there as a Spurs fan on Saturday and I want us to smash him, which is, which is what I want us to do for, 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 for every team. That, that, that I go up and and, and watch uh, for, for when I'm a Spurs fan. So, so I, I, I I don't know whether that's answered the question, but you know that that that's 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 how I'm viewing the game on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, John, coming around to you, ask you a similar question: What players do we need to stop? I mean, that might be a fairly obvious question. You're going to fry the lights on me of, of Silver, Aguero, you know, Sterling. What do we have to do, John, to stop them playing? Is it more about what we do rather like Ian says, forget about? You know, forget about them and focus more on us. How do you see it, John? I think that, that it's difficult because, you know, they've got so much quality all over the pitch. But I would say the first thing that springs to my mind when you ask me that question is to stop them players being fed. So that would that would say probably a higher press, put pressure on their back four. You know, we know that they like to play, you know, our Pep Guardiola likes his teams to play. But their one fallibility, if you like, I think, in my opinion, is that they have got some panicky defenders who are not used to being put under pressure. A lot of the time this season, teams have just bent over and took it. You know, like we saw against Swansea. You know, they, they went into that game, Swansea, knowing they didn't have a prayer, and they played like it. And it's happened to them a lot this season. I think, you know, hopefully it comes as a bit of a shock to the system, to Man City on Saturday, when we roll up and don't play like that. You know, and we go, we, we believe, I believe that, I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying we're going to go there and win. But what I am saying <clears throat> is, I, I I truly believe we'll go there, put in a good account of ourselves, and we'll. I, I think we'll stop their winning run. I, I'm going to predict the draw for this one, and I think it will be defensive endeavour and a bit of uh, attacking imagination combined that will get us that draw. You know, uh, you know, like like you like you just said there. You'd like to say, oh, it's us playing like it. We've, we've been in a lot worse situations at this stage of the season, as Jace pointed out earlier. And I, I, I see nothing to to suggest that we can't go there and get a result. However we, we want to do it, whichever 11 Pochettino decides to pick, you know what I mean? We do what we always do. We support the team. You know, we we, we, we doff our caps to the thousands that are going to be up there, Ian being one of them on Saturday. And, uh, you know, give it lungfuls up there, boys, and hopefully come back with at least a point. Yeah, I mean, Pochettino, ahead of the game, he says he's a positive person. We go to Manchester thinking that we can win. We are not worried. I mean, there's some heartwarming stats out there, Jay. You know, we're unbeaten in the last four matches against City. That includes that comeback from 2-0 down last year where Sonny was pivotal. Um, they've won a record 15 league matches on the spin, Jace. Tell us, I'm asking the same kind of question to you. What have we got to do, Jace, to get a decent result up there? Well, we got to be at our very best. We need them to be below theirs. We need a... A top-class performance from Hugo. We'll need a little bit of luck. We need to be brave in possession. We need movement off the ball. We need to be ruthless when that big chance comes because you certainly can't go there, create four or five chances and miss four. It's you know We need to replicate the performance against them at home last year when they came to White Hart Lane flying. I think they won yeah. nine or, or six, ten games well, in a row in all competitions. That's or something right. at that stage, six wasn't of their it? opening league games as well they won. So that was a and map, we, yeah. we hardly gave him a kick, did we? We, mm. we? we won 2 0, we missed a penalty in that game, and and we completely 
you know, we, we had a little bit of luck, didn't we, with Kolarov slicing into his own net. And, you know, they're all the things we need to do. The one thing we can't do is what we've done in so many of those top top six away games is concede a completely daft, sloppy goal. And, you know, it was frustrating last year because Man City ripped us. But the two goals we let in was when Hugo came out and missed a diving header. And then he, he spilled across, didn't he? Right onto, I forget who got the second goal for them. But, I mean, they were two really self-inflicted goals that we conceded last year up there and you certainly can't be going there, there with Christmas presents and, and handing out gifts to them so you know you've got to have the old game craft words you've got to be fully switched on and focused and you know you've got to get absolutely everything spot on if we do that we've got a chance to get a result for sure yeah in terms of team Jace we didn't mention Lamella much against Brighton I think he was one of our one of our more positive dynamic players are you tempted to play him against Man City on Saturday and what other changes would you look to make in the team in terms of tweaks? Well I think if, if Lamella plays then Deli Alley doesn't and I think oh, just right. the, the resting of Deli Alley for me brings Deli Alley back into the team on, on Saturday. I think you know Lamella's not going to be completely fit and, and hopefully Lamella can come on and, and, and have a cameo with 15-20 minutes to go if you need him to. Just like he I did think... Jace, that 2-1 with Ericsson, if you remember a couple of years ago uh, when Pellegrini was in charge there. Yeah, that's, that's mm. right. He came on then and slipped. Yeah, but, did. you know, I think I think we'll set up quite similar to how we did in that Dortmund game, as I say, and the, the two Madrid games. Try and get Sonny running you know, off of Kane. You don't want to leave Kane isolated up front, that's for sure. You know, he needs help up there in these away games. You saw how Lukaku got isolated against them last week and it just became wave after wave after wave at United's goal, didn't it? But that, that one spell that United had where for 10 minutes they suddenly realised they could get at City, they actually then scored in that spell and, and had one or two other half chances. So, you know, we need we need that. I, I, I definitely have Son in my team on, on Saturday. Um, and, and we just need things to go our way and there's no reason why they can't do, that's for sure. And full-back chase for you? Well, as I said, for me, I, I'll go Trippier and, and Davis purely because I know what I'm getting from them. Okay. I haven't seen enough in Danny Rose. Forget that that I can't stand what he did in the summer. I haven't seen enough from Danny Rose ever since he's come back into the team that makes me think he's going to have a cracking game at Manchester City. He's absolutely adamant as well. He's not jealous of Carl Walker's move to Man City. He's absolutely adamant out of this one and he's looking forward to it so he's looking forward to well, it well he's not because he wants to go to Man United not Man City <laughs> so that's probably why he's not jealous there you go Jason as always having the last one on Danny Rose Jason can you give us a <coughs> prediction for this one 2-0 Manchester City you're just being honest being honest okay, yeah 2-0 Manchester City okay John let's come round to you can I ask you John prediction and also team wise tweaks what would you do I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 1-1 one, one. I think we will score, but I also think we'll concede. They're bound to have a lot of the ball, a lot of chances. I think what I would, you know, I would expect our fullbacks to be not as adventurous as if, you know, we're playing Manchester City away. You know what I mean? We've got, a, we can't go there thinking, you know, we're going to go there and beat them up because that's not going to happen. So I would say we play the two fullbacks that are probably defensively better. And I would have to say as well, like, I agree with what Jay said. I can't see Trippier and Davies being caught out of position because they're marauding forward. Whereas with Rose and Aurier, you definitely could envisage that happening. So Davies and Trippier come back in for me. Um, Dyer and Vertonghen at centre-back. It depends on Moussa Dembele. Hopefully he can play um, beside Winks. And then, yeah, Delhi comes back in for Lamella and the rest of the team stays the same. I think <clears throat> it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a performance of 
Titanic proportions to even get a draw, probably. But I'd like to think that the players would know that you know that they got a week off after Man City, so they can really afford to knock their pipe out, knowing that they haven't got to go again Wednesday night. I don't know whether that makes a difference subconsciously, but it'll be tough. But we will not lose. There you go, John's famous last words: "We will not lose." We'll hold you to that, John. You are coming back on around Christmas, you know. So just, just watch yes, out. yeah, just watch out, Ian. Come over to you finally. Give us your team prediction, Ian, in terms of tweaks you're going to see, and also, also um, your prediction for the game. Um, well, I'm 100. You know, behind what, what uh, you know, John, John and Jason have said. I think that that you know what what John's just predicted team wise is is what the team will be on Saturday. And um, in 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 you know for for for, for balance sake, I'm going to go for a two-one win to Spurs. Two-one win to Spurs. Why not? There Why you not? Go. At the end of the day, we've got, we've got a win, a loss, and a draw, so we've we've balanced it out. Yeah, I want to follow you, Ian, but my my heart my heart says two-one Spurs, but my head says one-one. And to be fair, I would either way, I take a point, you know. But a, a win up there for our mentality would be fantastic. But hey. Let's let's look forward to it, and, we, and, mm. and we've also got the fact that um, Pochettino has he got a reasonably good record against Guardiola. Against um, I'll be honest, I'm not having to include up on that. Does anyone know Pochettino's record against Guardiola? Is it is it okay? I think he got. Um, did he get one win in in Barcelona? But I think every other game yeah, was hasn't... completely. Mm-hmm. I think everything else went Barcelona's way. But you know, I mean, in fairness, <laughs> Barcelona at home usually do beat everyone, don't they? Yeah, I was about to say, there's not many yeah. coaches you know, out there that has a great record against Guardiola. To be fair, I know that um, Guardiola's not beaten Pochettino in England, is he? And let's not forget no. that when Manchester City rolled into N17 last season, you know they were unbeaten, weren't they? And they we, were. know, we yeah. all know what happened that afternoon. Yeah, we got we yeah. got a habit as well for ending records. Let's not forget that Chelsea's thirteen match winning streak. They came to Wembley, they were blown away. I mean, this is it came to sorry White Hart Lane at the time. There you go. That's what Wembley's doing to me. I'm forgetting about White Hart Lane. But though, like I say, we've we've done that before. But I mean, we've got every chance on Sunday. I think Saturday we've got every chance. It's one of those games where I don't think many people will favour us, and therefore the underdog, like we've seen against the Real Madrid, the Dortmunds, it could well well play into our hands. Any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap up? There you go. Tottenham are the greatest team the world has ever seen. Don't forget that. Got a sign off all that, haven't we? John, thank you for coming back on. Pleasure, mate. Nice one. Lovely. And we'll have you back on over the Christmas period. Ian, thank you as always. You're welcome. And just remember, Rhythm is a dancer. Human <laughs> Son's the answer. I never thought we'd get Ian to say that on the podcast. Fantastic. You, you're welcome. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> uh, Jay, thank you as always. No problem, mate. I just wish Ian would still tell us what that Jamie Vardy song was. Don't get him started. Not live on air. Do it off air. God. Guys, we are going to be back. We are going to be back next week, recapping the Manchester City game. And also, hopefully, with a very special Last Word on Spurs Christmas special coming your way with a very special guest that will be announcing very soon. Have a great weekend, guys. Hopefully, on the back of a Spurs win. Breaks here to Walker. What a lovely ball that is! Terrific goal! Deli Ali has scored again! And Tottenham are back in it! In the area to Kane. Chance here! It's 2 2! Young Min Song! Would you believe it? They've got away with one of one in Tottenham Hotspur! And they've equalised at the other moments later! Sports Social Podcast Network.